up at Fort Orchman and there's uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for your help today because my voice is still on the shaky side. Well, it's still loud. <laughs> I got a microphone. It's always loud. <laughs> but I need your help today. Um, I'll do whatever I can. But if my voice totally fades out, you got to read more scripture. <clears throat> and one thing I can't do today is sing. And I know some of you are happy about that. But. Singing an old gospel song. Yes. 
I invite you to join with me because, folks, we need the everlasting arms Amen. of God now Amen. more than we ever did before. As we look at our world and we see situations like this where people are choosing to go against God's word and God's ways, we, the believers in Christ, when God's wrath falls, uh, we're impacted by that. Though we didn't do anything to warrant. And uh, how long can God hold off judging America? I don't know. But this old song gets us back to what we need to do. Would you sing today? Since I can't. We need the everlasting arms of God. Amen. We need it all over us and all around us to help us. You're discouraged? Well, that won't do a thing for anybody. But we can pray. And we're going to talk about that prayer in James today. That the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person has much availing to it. Accomplishes much. Sing along and make me joyful today. <laughs> what a
better without me. I know that. <laughs> Thank you. I'd like to ask some of those people up there on Capitol Hill uh, why they even bother and do they know uh, why they're uh, supposedly celebrating Christmas. It's going against everything. It's going against everything they believe. Well, we're praising God that we still have our freedoms. We can pray and we can witness and we can share Jesus with others. And uh, God's still God today. Amen. 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 We're looking at our our theme of prayer by the book, and we are up to the book of James. <coughs> book of James. <clears throat> Letter from James, chapter five. James chapter 5, and beginning with verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil, in the name of the Lord. Amen. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sin, he'll be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray one for another <clears throat> that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain. And the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Ain't no way we're going to get through all that today, but we're going to try. We first of all look at the letter itself, the letter of James, and the authorship has, since the third century, has not really been in question much. We'll tell you about that in a moment. Surprising. Now we know that there are five Jameses in the Bible, in the New Testament at least. And uh, we know James, the older brother of John, the Revelator. Okay? We know James the less, or son of Alphaeus. 
We know James, the father of Judas, not the Iscariot. We know James's. But the one that most of the scholars agree is that it was James, the brother of Jesus. We know for uh, what we find in the New Testament, we call him the half-brother of Jesus because same mother, different father. Amen? Amen. Amen. God was the father of Jesus. Joseph was the father of James. And uh, we need to look up some of these scriptures about that. <clears throat> of what we know about James, the brother of Jesus. First of all, he was not one of the 12 disciples during Jesus' lifetime. He was around, but he was not one of the 12. You say, well, how did he get in such a position? Well, we'll talk about that in a moment. Can I get someone to read for me? And oh boy, do I need your help today. I need someone to read good and loud Mark 3, 31 through 35. We'll do that. Okay, Imogene's got that. Mark 6, 1 through 3. Okay, Becky's got that one. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 7. Okay, Shauna's got that one. And let me see if we got something. Yet yeah. John two twelve. You haven't got one yet, James. So John two twelve. I'll raise your hand for you. <coughs> okay. Mark three thirty one through thirty five. Just a minute. All right. <clears throat> there came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brother? And he looked about him, them on which sat about him, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. Okay. Here we find <clears throat> that Mary, his earthly mother, and uh, his brothers uh, showed up and were outside of the gathering of the disciples, and Jesus noticed that they are there and is told about it, and he makes a statement that basically they don't have an inside track on my, being my followers. There are false teachings out there that Mary 
had an inside track. And so his brothers had positions because of their relationship to Jesus as an earthly half-brother. Jesus, the Lord Almighty God, does not play favorites. And he doesn't say, well, we're in the same family, therefore you get a position and you don't. <clears throat> Jesus didn't do nespotism. Uh, have you ever known people who got a position simply because they were related to the person who was in charge? Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, aren't you glad heaven doesn't work that way? <clears throat> He's basically saying that that's not what puts you close to me. Mm -hmm. It's your obedience to the Heavenly Father's words. Yes. Um, Mark 6, 1-3. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended in him. Okay. Here we have another reference to... James being the eldest of the brothers, the half-brothers of Jesus. Now we've talked about this before. I don't want to just let it slide in case someone's confused. There are groups who do not believe that Mary, had, Mary and Joseph had any other kids. <clears throat> they believe that she was the Immaculate Conception, she was holy and sinless when she was born and had no other children. They teach that this James and Joseph and, and Judas and Simon were uh, kids from Joseph's first marriage. Well, if you have false teaching, you got to come up with some other plans, you know. And they've written whole books about this, suggesting that, first of all, Mary was born sinless. That's not what the Bible says. She was born needing a Savior. And Mary herself says that. That I should be the one chosen to bring forth God, my Savior. Yes, amen. And as we already mentioned, Jesus did not put her in an elevated position because of her role. He didn't demean her, but anybody can get close to Jesus that wants to. Yes. Amen? Amen. 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 And so they, they have created whole traditions suggesting that not only Mary was born sinless, but when they thought about it a little bit further, they said, wait a minute, how could she be born sinless? 
Her parents had to be sinless too. <clears throat> and they have all kinds of traditions and things about that. And it's all garbage. It's not Bible. It's all Bible. I've told you before, uh, it's called the proto-evangelism of James or the proto-evangelism of Mark. And that means before the Gospels. <clears throat> and in that false book that was written uh, probably around the 4th century, not any time, they said that uh, Mary, the moment she was born, everybody knew that she was special. And she was sinless and holy. And when it came of time for her to be married, this is not Bible again. Don't, don't go out and say, Pastor said. No, Pastor's telling you what false teachers and religions believe. That she was so special, everybody took note of it. And she lived in Jerusalem. And uh, so they set up a lottery system because they wanted to find a husband for her who was righteous enough to be worthy. And they settled on Joseph because Joseph was an old man. His first wife had died. He had all these other kids. He was an old guy. And they said, well... Uh, the only child she will have will be the Messiah. And so uh, he's too old to do anything anyway. So he won't even touch her. So her eternal virginity will be intact. And so they had this marriage of convenience. And they propped up Joseph. And he was a carpenter from up in in the Nazareth area and then they take the story from there. <laughs> you know what? Isn't it easier to believe the Bible? Yes! 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 <laughs> you know, I always, I, I enjoy discussing things like this with people who believe these false teachings and uh, I said, well, what did, uh, why did not, none of this come out in Luke chapter 1 and 2? And uh, how that, the angel comes and tells Mary she's special. She didn't know it already. Nobody else did either. And uh, Joseph, nothing, it, was he a bad dad? You know, he had all these other kids by his first wife and He's not even in mourning. And, and uh, they didn't go along on the trip to Bethlehem. You see, when you believe false doctrines, there's no place to stop. That's right. But what the Bible teaches is that Jesus had several brothers and some sisters. We don't know the sisters' names. But uh, they were not uh, from a previous marriage. They were not somebody else's kids. 
and she was not eternally a virgin. The Bible does not teach that. And she was not born sinless. But the father determines the bloodline. And it was sinless blood by the Holy Spirit coming. The Holy Spirit came upon him. And that which will be born will be called the Son of God. So the paternity test is back. He's the Son of God, not a man. Now James, raised in the same family, of course younger than Jesus, Jesus the eldest, but there were other kids. So, the uh, they followed Jesus on different occasions, and we read about that in, where did we stop? First Corinthians. First Corinthians 15, 1-7. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you, which you also received, and which you stand, by which you also are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. First I delivered, first I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then the other twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. But some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Okay. Here we have a separate mentioning of James. Not an apostle. Not a disciple. Okay. So this James, the other Jameses that we have in the New Testament we're basically all apostles, right? James the Less, we call him, and son of Alphaeus, and you know. But James, brother of John. But Paul is telling us here, through inspiration, that there was a private meeting after the resurrection. And Jesus appeared to his half-brother James as the resurrected Christ. Mm -hmm. And most believe that at this point he became a sincere follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. It could have been before because we know he was around of John 2.12. You had that one. I got it. You got it. Okay. After this, he went down to Corvinium, he and his mother and his brother and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. Okay, this was after the, uh, my dear brother, my dear brother, I had asked in advance for this, my dear brother, hot water and peppermint tea. If you would, be so kind. Um, after the wedding at Cana, Mary was there. Jesus was there. Jesus' brothers, it says, were there. And the disciples were there. All of them. 
and those who have been with us in our evening class on the Gospel of John realize that one of the disciples was from Cana of Galilee. Anybody remember who? I did such a marvelous job teaching. I remember. I just don't remember who. Well, I'll let you look. I'll have you, I'll have you look that one up. Look that one up. One of the disciples was from Cana, probably the way that Jesus and all these folks were invited to the wedding. You know, because it's not that close to Nazareth. So, <clears throat> after the miracle at the wedding at Cana of Galilee, Jesus leaves immediately. And his mother and his brothers who were at the wedding and the disciples okay so his brothers not disciples so James was with them in this entourage too so his brothers his earthly brothers went places with him visited him on occasion and uh, so there was a, a linking up we know that Mary and others followed Jesus' ministry and cared for the cooking and the cleaning and all kinds of things for the disciples. So, there was a relationship with James, brother of Jesus, but we have no concrete evidence of him being a follower, a devout follower, until after the resurrection. And Jesus privately, personally, appears to James. James later became a leader in the New Testament church. He's listed right alongside of Peter and John. Now, don't get confused here. You remember the Apostle John... His older brother was named James. Yes. But he's killed by Herod in the 12th chapter. So the James that's listed later is James the brother of Jesus, not an apostle. And so we have a, a, a special appearance to James. We have another special appearance of Jesus to a guy named Saul. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And look what a difference that made. Mm -hmm. So Jesus made some command performances to individuals. James, his half-brother, who then stepped up and became a leader in the New Testament church. He'd not been a follower or disciple during Jesus' three years of ministry. But now, he's linked right along with Peter and John the Apostle mm -hmm. as making decisions in leadership for the church. It's only recently that some liberals have said, well, you know, that can't be. He was a, a cousin of Jesus or a, uh, you know, from a previous marriage because they can't let that rest. Oh, my brother, thank you so much. 
Thank you, thank you. I've never made that before. <laughs> <laughs> study. 
You say, well, just get to the Bible. I'll try. <laughs> so now let's turn to our scripture for today about prayer principles. The first principle is that prayer is to be our first response. Prayer is to be our first response. And it goes through several scenarios of when we're to pray in our scripture that we just read at the beginning. And uh, let me read it again. Is anyone among you, right into the scattered around, suffering? And then it's basically just said, pray. <laughs> you know, let him pray. Well, the, the inference is, it's basically a single uh, Greek word there. Is any, anybody here suffering? Anybody? Raise your hand. Say, you got suffering going on? Yeah. Nobody here? Yeah. Anybody got suffering? Yeah. Pray! I didn't want to tell. Pray! <laughs> Call for the elders. Is anyone sick? Call for the elders of the church. Let them pray. pray. The prayer of faith. It's, it's giving that our first response to whatever situation there is. Pray! And what are some other things that we, I'll just put myself in there too, tend to do rather than have the first response of pray? Worry. Worry. Worry and fret. We talked about that a couple weeks ago on Sunday morning. What are some other, why do we worry? We just kind of stare at it long enough and get depressed and discouraged. And mm -hmm. We worry and we fret. And what, what else is in a response that we do rather than pray when we have a crisis? What? Tell somebody else about it. Tell somebody else about it? Uh, here, let me tell you about my problem. And we're both uh, what, what, Let me tell you. You think you got a problem. Mine's far worse than yours. <laughs> and, and in telling somebody else, you're hoping for sympathy. Sometimes you don't get, how many of you know, sometimes you don't get sympathy? <laughs> when you, you know. That old story I've told so many times when I was up at, at Heartland, uh, we had a guy on staff, no matter what problem or situation, he had one worse. And his favorite line was, you think that's something. <laughs> and then he would just go off, and we, we tried the best to mess with him. And he always had something to top us. It was a lie, but you know, <laughs> you think that's something. And we didn't give him a lot of sympathy. What are some other responses, rather than prayer, that people have when you're confronted with a crisis or a problem? What are some other things? You cry. You cry. You just... <laughs> and and uh, uh, your response, and that helps how? That clears your ducks. Clears your tear ducts. 
Sometimes, how many of you know a good cry sometimes does feel good, does it not? Yes. 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 Any, anybody ever know somebody that will watch a sad movie just to have a good cry? <laughs> you guys are you're you're too great for me. I'm I'm a I'm a pastor who does stupid things like that. You know? I, I fast forward through White Christmas. Okay, I love the part of it, but I'll fast forward through White Christmas till I get up to the place where the general is coming downstairs. He doesn't know that all the people from his army regiment that he served over in World War II are downstairs. He doesn't know. He's had a hard time. Anybody know the movie I'm talking about? White Christmas. Big Crosby's down there. And, and, and he's the only, they sent his suit out and all he has left is his army outfit of a general. And he said, well, I can't wear that. He says, well, then you disappoint everybody that's down there. I fast forward until I get up to this place where the general, the elderly general, is feeling left behind and lost and nobody cares. And he steps down and he looks up and he looks out and all of his soldiers and their families and they're giving him a standing ovation. And there's a tear in his eye. There's a tear in mine. <laughs> I don't care about the rest of the movie. You can say White Christmas all you want. But I love sometimes just to have a good cry over a, a good movie. What are some other responses that people have rather than pray? When, yes. You start thinking, what can you do to take care of yourself? Now how am I going to fix this? We start, we start, we start cogitating that's a fancy word for thinking about it. We start cogitating how we're going to deal with it. Well, you can do this and this and this. And I, I have half a mind to go do this. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell them and I'm gonna and you plot all out what you're gonna do because of the crisis that you have. What are some other things that people do rather than pray when confronted by a crisis? They laugh. Huh? They do. Yeah, to keep from Look at our vice president. He laughs every time, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna have to let you sit on that one. I don't understand that answer. I don't understand. I'm talking I'm not talking about our vice president, I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about believers, which excludes some people. I'm talking about the response of born-again Christians when faced by a crisis rather than praying. I don't know any, I don't know, except there, there's a couple relatives of mine that are insane, certifiably insane. They may, <laughs> they may laugh at it, but by and large not. Talking about Christians, got it. What am I talking about? Christians faced with a crisis rather than praying what do they do? They question God didn't do something about it. They'll, they'll question God. They don't pray to God. They question it. Well, I don't see why God allowed that to happen. And then they'll talk it over somebody else. Why do you think? 
I don't know why. I'm, I'm upset with him too. Sometimes, if it, you, they think about what is happening, why things happen, maybe they don't know where those things are coming from. Yeah, they're, they're wondering, how did that happen? Well, why, why me? How, how many of you know? Yeah, yeah. That's a, you know, how did that happen? Where did that come from? You've ever had those situations? There are a million responses that people have. I'm not trying to yell at you. I'm just trying to get the sound out, okay? I'm not angry. I'm infirmed. And yes, I have prayed about this. Uh, I'm looking for, maybe Tom might know where some of the furnaces are. <laughs> Do you know where furnace No. Are? What furnace are you talking about? The preventative maintenance guy is here. And he's looking okay. for a furnace that's in a basement. Okay. <laughs> the workroom right there. Uh -huh. the, my costume room over there. Oh, there's one in the costume room? Yes, there's a small furnace in there. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> for those of you who are watching at home. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Don't pray. There are a multiplicity, a plethora of other responses, and James is writing to that fact. Is anybody here afflicted? Pray! You know, he's not mad at him. He's just saying, quit doing that other stuff. And take it as your first response. Prayer is not to be our last resort. Yeah. It's to be our first response. Yes. Say it with me. It's worth remembering. <laughs> Prayer is not to be our last resort. It's to be our first response. Prayer is to be our first response. If anybody is, is suffering, the King James says afflicted, that's sophisticated suffering. Afflicted. Pray. And have you ever had somebody do this to you, or maybe it's happened to you? you you're telling somebody, one of those, you're telling somebody your problem says, well, have you prayed? And you go, no. As a matter of fact, I haven't. James is relating to the people that are reading this. Duh. Pray. You got a problem. Quit trying to fix it. Quit trying to before you do anything else. The Holy How many of you know the Holy Spirit can show you how to fix things? Amen. Amen. Pray. And, and the. Is anybody afflicted? And that means, is anybody suffering? There's something going on. And uh, the word there in the Greek is kakopatheo. And it means to undergo hardships, bad times. When it's talking about afflictions here, it's not referring to 
physical afflictions, but it could be referring to physical limitations. How many of you have recognized you have some limitations in your abilities? Unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't mean you're all that sick, but you just, you're, you're get up and go, got up and went. How many of you re re realize you just don't have the energy you used to have? How many of you don't have the desire you used to have to do things? How many of you look at your schedule and you're worn out before you do anything on it? That's an affliction. We're not talking about sickness, but limitations. To undergo hardships. Uh, can I get somebody to read for me? 2 Timothy 4, 5. 2 Timothy 4, 5. Who'll do that one for me? Oh, come on, folks. Okay, Sean has got it. May you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul here is telling Timothy, basically, in a very kind way, suck it up, buttercup. I'm, I'm just saying. That's what, that's what he's saying here in a very kind way. Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Do what you're called to do and quit whimpering about it. Do it. Endure the afflictions. Go through. How many of you know individuals that any excuse can stop them from doing what they're supposed to yeah. do? <laughs> any good excuse. Well, I was going to do that, but it's a little late now. You know, uh, well, I, I I was going to do that, but I, I just don't have the energy anymore. And, and Paul is basically telling Timothy, suck it up, buttercup. Just endure your afflictions and do what you're called to do. Now, he's not without compassion to Timothy. He's writing this to him under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes... We need somebody to tell us, suck it up, buttercup. If you're waiting until everything is perfect, and every situation is solved, and your problems have all gone bye-bye, when's that going to happen? When you die. <laughs> Not in this life. Some people are waiting for the perfect day. The perfect time when there's nothing else going on in your life. Tell me when that is. Does it happen for you? Does it happen for me? You say, well, I'm retired. I thought I'd have more time on my hands. You do. But how many of you are so tired you can't do anything? <laughs> there's sometimes, child of God, we need to just endure afflictions, yeah. pray, and keep doing what God's called us to do. Mm -hmm. 
If you're waiting for everything to be perfect, you're waiting for about a 10 seconds after you die. Because that's when everything's going to be just fine for a believer. <laughs> but up until that time, there's always going to be stuff going on. And Paul tells Timothy, endure afflictions. Don't sit there and whine about it. Pray about it and keep going. Mm -hmm. it, it's uh, I, This is my definition of an affliction or suffering. Things that put a wobble in your walk. <laughs> Don't stop you from walking, but puts a wobble in it. How many of you ever had a, a sore toe? <laughs> How many of you ever had a stone in your shoe? Oh, did it stop you from walking? No. How many of you have tried like me to try to move it around? <laughs> Rather than stop and deal with it, you'd say, well, I'll move it around and, and it always moves back, doesn't it? <laughs> A wobble in your walk. An affliction. Something that is not putting you on your best. If you have an affliction, something that's causing a wobble in the way you're walking for the Lord, what does James say to do? Pray. Pray. How many of you got a wobble in your walk right now? Got some things that... I got a wobble in my throat right now. And uh, I actually had somebody the other day say, well, why don't you just get somebody else to teach for you? And just don't don't talk or anything. Don't preach Sunday. Don't. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Do I look like somebody else? <clears throat> I may have a wobble in my walk, but I'm going to keep walking and I'm going to pray and ask for God's help. And I'm going to endure my affliction. I'm sorry for you having to endure my raspy voice and the fact that I can't sing. Thank you so much. Appreciate that so much. I always used to like my singing. Think about how many of us is that way too. Huh? When you're thinking about that, think about the ones of us, it's that way too. You know, it's we can get our eyes off of things and if you've got a wobble in your walk, it can be an excuse to not do what you're called to do. Mm -hmm. Or it can be an opportunity for you to show the devil and everybody else. I love the t-shirt I've seen. I've seen, see, not today, Satan. Not today. He kicked me down and stomped on me, messed with me. I, 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 was, I was doing just fine and now I got a Got a wobble in my walk, and I I can't seem to uh, make it. But I'm going to keep walking. Mm -hmm. Go keep walking, amen. Mm -hmm. And uh, we sing that old song, "Just a Closer Walk with Thee." Yeah. Sometimes there's a wobble in my walk while I'm doing that. <laughs> Don't sit down and say I I can't walk. I got a wobble. Pray. Keep walking. 
when you when you when you <coughs> pardon me when you you've got an affliction something that is keeping you from being a hundred percent James shouts out to the early church he's he's not as polite as Paul Paul just basically says endure Keep doing your ministry. Suck it up, buttercup. So James says, is there anybody, anybody here afflicted? Pray. Duh. He knows the power of prayer. What are some things, situations, or circumstances that can put a wobble in your walk and affliction and suffering? The death of a loved one. The death of a loved one could put a wobble in your walk. Some people just give up or are so impacted by it they can't move on. Realize that we've all lost people. I mean, <clears throat> could you imagine? John, the writer of the gospel, when he got word of what happened to his brother. I mean, that been through a lot. They were in business together as fishermen, right? Sometimes we make the Bible too antiseptic. These are real people. These are real. Look at some of the losses that John experienced. First of all, of course, a friend that he had worked with for three years turns out to be a traitor named Judas. And then somebody, all the other people he'd worked with for three years don't even show up at the crucifixion. Just John, by himself. After the resurrection, Nobody believed him. And then, in the early days of the church, he's in prison, he's beaten up, all these kind of things for his faith. Keeps on. But then his older brother has his head chopped off, from just killed by Herod. Now how do you bounce back from that? Hard yes. Is any afflicted? We need to talk to the Lord. We need to take it to the Lord in prayer. And you say, well, I just can't get over it. Well, then keep taking it to the Lord in prayer. I'm not telling you anything that's easy. I, I'm not telling you a thing that is easy. But what are my options? What are my options? I, I hesitate to say it, but I, you know, I'm just giving personal illustration. I had people that wanted me to just take a take a month off from my position when my son died, and I'm thinking, well, that'd be a real hoot, wouldn't it? I'm going to allow his death 
to stop me from doing my ministry. No. Because on his deathbed, he said, Dad, I want you to preach my funeral. And Dad, if even one person comes to know the Lord through this, through my cancer, it'll be worth it. I couldn't shame his memory by just dropping back. Never missed a Sunday preaching. Did I feel like it? No. But I prayed. I'm not telling you any of that was easy. But I can be, bear testimony. We can pray and the God who answers prayer will walk with you through those times. When you've got a wobble in your walk, don't allow the enemy to stop your walk. He wants to walk with you. Amen? Amen. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because I'm so strong? No. You're with me. Your rod and your staff, you comfort me. You. I got a wobble in my walk. I got somebody to lean on. We sang about it earlier. What fellowship. What a joy to buy. Lean. Lean. When I got a wobble in my walk, it's always good to have somebody to lean on. Amen? You got to have somebody to lean on. We were at camp when I was a teenager. Our youth group, we sent scores of kids up to camp, and I was one of them. One of my buddies, Ralph, uh, I don't know how he did it, I forget how, but he, he messed up his leg. He broke his leg. And so he, uh, he was going to up the, if you've ever been up to Camp Syker, there's hills everywhere. It's just hills. And, you know, but he was, he was uh, doing the crutch thing, and, and he, he, uh, then he spotted one of the gals in the youth group, and he said, could you help me walk? And he had ulterior motives, I know. You know, he and, and Angie got real close, because he was leaning on her wherever he went. I mean, by the end of the camp, they were close. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you may have a wobble in your walk, but if you lean on the everlasting arms, one of the best results is you're going to get close to the one you're leaning on. Mm -hmm. Oh, i gotta, I got to move on. I'm, I'm slow today. Isn't there a i got a wobble in my walk. Isn't yeah. there a scripture in there where Moses, they, they, when they lifted up his hands, the battle went... <clears throat> wonderful yeah. and then his hands came down and there was yeah. they put Aaron on one side and a guy by the name of her on the other and they held his hands up and while his hands were up you know he had a wobble in his walk he was weary but God came alongside through two people to help him so if there's a wobble in your walk pray What's James telling you? Pray. 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 First response. First response. Pray. The word there 
For prayer is a unique one. It's not used very often in the New Testament. And I'm going to give it my best shot of pronouncing it today. Pros Eucomai. Pros Eucomai. Now, Eucomai, Eucharist or uh, a prayer or petition is a common word, but pros Eucomai is different. It means to <clears throat> draw near in prayer or to cover it in prayer or to wrap it, encircle it. So we're talking about not just pray, but draw near in prayer and cover that situation in prayer and wrap it in prayer. And uh, I developed just a little four-word Four word for four letters on the acrostic of wrap. How to wrap something in prayer. The W reminds us the word of God on the issue. Get the word of God on the issue. If you're going to wrap something in prayer, find out what God's word has to say about it. Whatever your affliction is, God has something to say about your affliction. We already talked about the death of a loved one or going through the valley of the shadow of death. I was, I was thinking when I was working on this, <coughs> persecution. Uh, I was telling some at the beginning, I've been wearing my, my Jerusalem or Israel hat all the time. I'm just waiting for somebody. <laughs> I'm just waiting for somebody to mess with me. I know that's not... I'll use it as an opportunity to share with people. Find out what the Word of God is if you're going through times of persecution, affliction, people messing with you. What does the Word of God have to say about it? How to wrap it in prayer. First of all, you need to know what God's Word has to say. Can I get somebody? Well, I'm going to have to rush here because I'm running behind. Uh, Matthew 5, 10 and 11. Anybody? Here it is. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Well, what's that tell you about persecution? <laughs> it's, there's a blessing available when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's a perk. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Boy, that puts a different picture on it. When you wrap your prayer for the persecution or the the attacks that you're under in the Word of God, wrap it in, first of all, in the Word. That He tells us that He's going to deliver us in those times of persecution. He's going to walk with us. And there, God is watching the persecution that you're going through, that wobble in your walk, and He's going to reward you 
having gone through it. How great is your reward in heaven. And it also, you're in some pretty good company if you're being persecuted. God's word, get God's word on it. So W for wrath, get God's word on it. Secondly, R, remember how others faced that affliction. In the word of God, remember how others faced the affliction. We've told the story many times about the, the author of the great hymn, uh, It Is Well With My Soul, how that he lost his whole family in a shipwreck. And out of that, one of the great hymns of the faith, it is well with my soul. He wrote it on board a ship that was held steady at the very place his wife and his daughters lost their life. But God walked with him there and he said, when peace like a river attendeth my ways, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Praise. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. I don't see what's happening now, but haste the day when I see when the clouds be rolled back like a scroll. You read the words. Remember how other people have faced those times of affliction. Look at Paul. He had a few bad days, didn't he? <laughs> how about Stephen? How about Moses? Forty years of people whining at him and messing with him and wanting to kill him. So first of all, get God's word on the situation. Are remember how others have faced it. The A. Ask for Holy Spirit guidance. The Holy Spirit can guide us in how to respond, how to pray. When we don't know how we ought to pray, the Holy Spirit makes intercession. Amen. And Jesus knows the situation. And he's our great high priest making intercession. We can ask the Holy Spirit to guide us into the way to pray. Wrap it in prayer. Wrap it in prayer. I don't usually know what's happening. I need the Holy Spirit's guidance sometimes just to know how in the world to pray about something. I'm thankful for being filled with the Spirit so I can pray in the Spirit. That's what such a benefit. I encourage you, if you've not received the baptism, continue to seek. Wrap that in prayer. Because the Holy Spirit lets us pray unhindered by what we know. And for me, that's a good thing. Because I don't know a lot. In James James chapter 1, 
verses 3 and 4, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The Holy Spirit can guide us to see through what you're going through. See what God's doing in the midst of it. Holy Spirit guidance. Ask for the Holy Spirit's help in seeing what this wobble in your walk is doing. So, get God's word on it. Remember how others have gone through your situation. Ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance in what you're going through, your affliction. And the pity of wrath is persist and don't give up on prayer. Keep knocking. Jesus had several parables about this. He says, there's a woman, you know, she's, she's trying to get a favorable ruling from a judge. Boy, doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> You're around in our, our world today. Once it's uh, and uh, he won't even answer the door. But she doesn't give up, does she? And he's trying to ignore it. Well, she'll give up soon enough. And finally, he gets out of bed and says, What? And Jesus uses an illustration. Don't give up on praying. Keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. For everyone who knocks, it's going to be open to you. Persist in prayer. How many of you look back at times and remember, I think I gave up a little early on my prayer. I gave up a little early on my prayer. When we didn't see something happen right now. <clears throat> when we didn't see the answer right when we thought we needed it. And we'll, we'll throw in the towel. Persist in prayer. Wrap everything in prayer. Well, I'm almost out of time. But i got to finish up here. James chapter 5, first of all, it says, is any of you suffering, going through affliction? Well, what's his solution? Pray. Pray. Pray! Wrap it in prayer. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Sing psalms to God. That's another aspect of prayer. Praising God in Psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Call. Call for the elders of the church. Call for the elders of the church. Wrap it in prayer. Praying for the sick. It tells us what we're to do. Because how many of you realize sometimes it's harder to pray for yourself? than to pray for others. Yeah. Can I get a witness in the house? Yeah. You have great faith to pray for somebody else, but you're not, well, you know, <coughs> hard to pray for myself. And that's why we're to cover one another. Uh, praying for the sick. He said, if you're sick, don't go it alone. Bring in reinforcements. Amen? Bring in reinforcements. Why should we call for the elders of the church. Why? Because we have a stamp. They're full of faith. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the 
Bible says to. That's the best reason of all. But can you think of any reason why that might be a good idea other than the fact that it's right there for you? Because they're full of faith. Because they're full of faith. Yeah. Because they're not you. And they're in their, that position to minister to the body. What are some other reasons to call for the elders? More experience. More experience. They're not to be a novice, a rookie. They're not, well, this is my first rodeo. I, I don't know how to pray. No, they, they've been through some stuff. What are some other reasons to call for the elders of the church? It's a sign of faith. When we act in alignment with what God has said to do, faith rises. Mm -hmm. yes, sir. Faith rises. When I take action on what God said to do, my faith rises. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a positive thing. Well, why'd you call for the elders of the church? Well, first of all, because God said to in His Word. Mm -hmm. And secondly, they have more experience. And they're not praying for themselves. They're praying for me. Mm -hmm. And I know personally, I find it a lot easier to pray for somebody else than to pray for myself. Mm -hmm. yes, sir. And I'm being a part of the body and I'm being submitted to authority. I know people that won't call for the elders of the church to pray for them. Well, I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want to make a spectacle of myself. You're not making a spectacle of yourself. You're being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just being stupid. It's prideful. It's being prideful. Do what God said to do. Get over it. You know. And and also, why anoint? What's the symbolism of the, what's anointing about? It says, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Why is he anointing? Uh, why is that a part of this? The Holy Spirit. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And the, the anointing, as the Bible says, breaks the yoke. You know, if there's something binding you, you want that broken. It's obedience. Again, it's obedience. Mm -hmm. It's obedience. So I don't understand why I can't. I'll just stay back in the pew here. I know Pastor said if we're sick, we could come forward and have the brethren pray over us, slop oil on our head. And <laughs> I, you know, I just had my hair done, and I don't want to have an oil splotch. I want an oil slick on my head. <laughs> I don't want to call attention. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm big enough. I'm prideful enough. <laughs> Get over it. That's what it Get is. over yourself. And just come forward and say, I'm submitting to God's word and obedience. And they're going to pray over you, anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit because they're not going to heal you. God is. And we're humbling ourselves. And we're submitting to spiritual leadership. It's all good. It's all good. Because the effectual, fervent 
prayer of a righteous person has great effect, avails much. The effective, effective, fervent prayer. It's not just saying we're going through a little prayer book and saying, written down, no, when it comes from the heart and we're standing in submission, I gotta stop, but I've told you before, <clears throat> there have been times when I didn't think it was a smart idea. I told you about the one lady. She she wanted to go to Israel with me. She couldn't walk across the room without oxygen. And uh, her health was bad. And every time it came up, she 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 had issues and problems. She had a wobble in her walk. Get to Israel. And uh, she called me over, Pastor, we got problems. I don't have a birth certificate in the place I was born, burned down. <laughs> so we had to go through all kinds of, I'm thinking, thank you, Lord, that you, you, you know. I didn't tell her she couldn't go. All the government came through. She got, got her passport. And I'm trying, I'm thinking already, I said, well, I need to, I called ahead. I knew where a, where a uh, wheelchair could be rented. I was all ready to lay out the money for it. And the first day, I was right. She couldn't hardly keep up. I mean, I was walking with her, and she's leaning on this old man. We're, we're going, going through there. Second day, same thing. I mean, she was wheezing and huffing and puffing. And, but the third day was our water baptism day. And she was looking forward to it because she said, Pastor, the Lord told me that when I went in the Jordan River and I was baptized, he was going to heal me. And this great man of faith <laughs> is still trying to find the wheelchair. <laughs> I just said, what am I going to do? I better have somebody down there if she dies on me when she gets in that ice cold water. I mean, I, you know, those of you who have been there know it's a little nippy. Uh, ice chunks floating around. But, so I'm, this great man of faith is not having any of it. And uh, I've arranged for a wheelchair to be there for us when we get down to Jerusalem. And uh, we're up in the north country. And uh, they helped her down in the water. And the Holy Spirit touched her. And she jumped out of the water. And didn't need any help getting up out of that ramp. Went up, changed clothes, and nobody could keep up with her the rest of the trip. Hello, I, I'm not going to need that wheelchair. <laughs> Praise God. Is any of you afflicted? Duh. Pray. Is any of you sick? Call for the elders of the church. Submit to that. Yes. And the Holy Spirit is going to do the work. And, and the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person 
there for today. Praise God. I made it. Thank you for praying for the feeble voice today. Prayer requests today as we go to pray. Anybody got a wobble in your walk today? Did you get some alignment going on? Unsaved loved ones. That'll hold you back, won't it? If you let it. We've got to keep walking, amen? We've got unsaved loved ones, people that don't know Jesus. Well, I prayed for them and I talked with them. Well, keep it up. Wrap it in prayer. Uh, persist. Just because he hasn't answered yet doesn't make... Says their will is involved too. Amen? God will not thwart their will. They have free will and choice. But he's going to work on them. Hallelujah. Yes. Other prayer requests today. Yes. For Sophia, she has a little childhood disease thing going on. Okay. Prayer for her. Prayer for Sophia. She's our little, our little missionary. <laughs> God, we got to get her back. Well... Yes. I have a dear sweet sister in Christ, Judy Taylor. She just lost her husband. Judy and Taylor. And she goes to wonderful Christians. I wonder. Other prayer requests today. Peace of Jerusalem. The peace of Jerusalem. Yes. yes. The hostages. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. We saw the the brutality and evil in their attack, Hamas attack. I can't even imagine what the hostages are going through. Yes? Your family. Okay, Janet's family. Unspoken. Unspoken requests. Situations that we needed the Lord's help. We need to pray for our state. We need to pray for our city. We need to pray for our country. Amen. Decisions have been made that say we don't care what God's word says. Mm -hmm. This is what we want to do. <coughs> Could we have several lead us out in prayer today? And uh, before, we, before we pray, I want to take you back that song earlier. And let's let's sing it one more time. Could we do that? Yes. Before we go to pray? Yes. Let's pray after we sing. <coughs> well, let me take it back to the beginning. You can do it that way.
So we'll leave us out in a word of prayer today. Would you please? Hallelujah. Dear Lord, we thank you, dear Lord, for this day, Lord. We thank you for the word. But shortly it is land unto our feet. We thank you for your goodness and kindness and mercy. We thank you for your love, Lord. And the many, 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 many blessings you spelled upon our yes. people, Lord. We thank you for the man of God, Lord, touching from the top of his head, the bottom of his feet, Lord, touch his voice, Lord, to God. Be careful, we pray for the peace and Jerusalem and the Jewish people, Lord. We thank you for that rock that we can stand on. That wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus. Look down, my brothers and sisters, Lord. We ask you to bring forth as they bring forth a prayer before you, Lord, as incense, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that wonderful name, that wonderful name of Jesus. We get the praise of God. In Jesus' name, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus, we thank you so much for your love, for your care. Yes. We thank you for the Holy Spirit because without him, we have no guidance, Lord. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus, so much for your love. And I do pray for our government. Oh, how we need to bow before you in repentance. Lord, please help us be with Israel. We just pray that their eyes will be yes. open, that they will know Jesus as their Messiah. Mm -hmm. Please watch over each one here. May we just grow stronger and stronger in the Holy Spirit. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Father, so grateful to be a child of yours. Yes. Father, to be able to crawl up in your arms, your everlasting arms, and find rest, find peace. God, we're living in a troubled world today. But you provide the peace that we can endure through what's going on. Yeah. Father God, we pray for our world. It's, a, it's, a, it's in turmoil. It's upside down. Don't know when you're coming back, Lord, but to me it looks like uh, you're getting ready to get on your horse, Jesus. But nevertheless, we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will just continue to strive with man and work uh, on our politicians, on our, and work with all of us, Father God, to convict us of our sin. Oh, Father God, so grateful, Lord, to be your child. The wickedness of the world, we can find peace in you. So, Father God, I'm just my prayer today is just the fact to tell you that I'm grateful, that I love you. 
Help us to be a faithful witness in these days, in these times, that they will see the good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. We lift up the unsaved. We lift up our lost and unsaved loved ones. We lift up situations that <coughs> we don't know how to proceed. We're asking for divine direction. <coughs> we pray for Sophia. We pray for uh, Janet's family. We pray for those held captive by the Hamas. We, we pray for the people that are enduring these things. And we ask, Father, for you to step in and move in a mighty way. We praise you, Father, for your faithfulness, for your goodness. We're thankful that as we leave this, this room, as we conclude this simulcast, that even though there may be a wobble in our walk, we have a God to lean on as we go forth. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
supposed to be back Thursday. Well, he said they're leaving Thursday. Oh, they're leaving Thursday. I told him they're right back. We're going to make one get on it. Yeah. Well, I forgot to mention that. Don't forget, Friday night is the Worker Appreciation Banquet, Volunteer Appreciation in the Fireside Room. I'm cooking.
Yeah, I didn't. 